Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, everyone. Today, Amy Wright connects on a call with Joshua Fleming, founding member of one of Texas's most notable country punk bands, the Vandaliers. Vandaliers are known for distilling the Lone Star State's diverse musical identity into a raucous, breakneck vibe that's all their own. After spending much of the last three years furiously writing and recording music, this Dallas-Fort Worth six-piece is back with The Vandaliers, a new album that proves they're tighter than ever. In this interview, Fleming breaks down the making of the self-titled album for us and shares all about the roots of the band. So let's see what he has to say. From Diddy TV, this is Insights. Are you guys on uh, tour right now? or No, we're home for two weeks right now. Uh, it's been uh, after five weeks of touring Europe. Then, uh, man, what did we do before that? There were so many tours. This is like our sixth tour. So <laughs> I'm taking in as much as I can while I'm home. Now, are you in Fort Worth? I or am. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in Fort Worth. I'm a little bit outside of it in the little town Hearst stuff. That's where my family and I live. Um, got a nice little house and little life and it's great. I like it. Well, I hear that you are a relatively new dad. How is that going? I am. Uh, it's been, you know, she's a pandemic baby. So she was born in November of 2020 and, uh, I, I mean, it's hard because of the isolation in the first year a little bit. Uh, but as far as like her as a person and how our lives are immensely better having her here, uh, it's been great. The, the hardest part was just the isolation. Like at first, you know, when she was born, the family couldn't come into the hospital. We were completely alone. Um, and then, 
you know, as she got a little bit older, it was just like, because of COVID, like there weren't as many family functions. And when there were, they were very separated, masked and stuff. So she just started daycare um, because I was leaving for Europe and I was going to be gone a lot longer than I'd ever been gone. Um, and so she's just started like kind of getting used to being around other people and, and all that. And, um, she's like, like, I like watching her with the other kids. It's been really fun. Um, she's starting to make friends. So it's been great. I was thinking that we're creating a whole new society of kids that can recognize people by their eyes only. (laughs) Yeah. Or just, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's just such a different kind of childhood than I had, you know, first year of her life, first year and a half of her life was really just our house. And then my parents' house, like she was just, so I think it's just going to breed a different type of person. And, uh, she's really sweet and she has a big imagination and I'm like really happy that I get to be your dad. Um, but I think like, you know, this is going to be a really weird generation of kids because they're just <laughs> they were in complete isolation for the first bit of their life or or a, a part of it. So I, I never lived through that. So I don't know what, what that's like. That's very true. We didn't have to deal with any of that. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects who they are as people. But from your perspective, how has being a dad and being married and just kind of being a little more settled kind of affected your perspective on life and your musical career? I mean, how is that all going for you? I've been playing music for 22 years now. So like, uh, it's, it's what I'm here to do. Um, and Lindsay and I kind of had a conversation right before, like when we found out there was an opportunity to put this record out, um, you know, Ruby had already been born and was already a part of our family. She had just gotten a promotion at her job and it was kind of like a bunch of great things all happened at once. And we just said yes to everything. And, uh, we're just kind of white knuckling through it right now because like you say settle down, but like, uh, my life has been crazy these last few, uh, this, this past year, like I've been, I went from being home all the time to being home very rarely. And, uh, you know, my wife has gone from being, you know, one of a couple of people at the office to being one of the heads to a lot of people. So it's just gotten, everybody's grown. Um, uh, and time is very valuable. Um, but as far as like being a musician, it really hasn't changed. It kind of the, the lifestyle change is you know, a big part of it. Um, it's been wonderful. Like I, I just, uh, as long as I can go out and, you know, try to make my family proud and then come home and look them in the eye and, you know, then, then it's all worth it. But like, we're about to play the Ryman and Ruby and Lindsay and my family are all coming out and, um, it's a big day for everybody. So we're all excited. And, uh, you know, they've been rooting for me when, you know, no one was paying attention. 
So everybody's really happy and everybody's uh, excited. We're just kind of just, again, like it's, we're just holding on for dear life right now. So let's go back a ways. Um, when did you actually, how old were you when you started playing guitar? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was about 10 years old. I really count my first show as kind of like when I became a musician. Um, so I played uh, New Year's Eve of 2000 going into 2001. Um, and uh, I played my first show. I played at like a roller rink with a couple of other little garage punk bands and that show turned into more DIY shows like movie theaters, churches. And, and then I kind of moved up into like all age venues and then, uh, started making records in high school. Um, oh, you, you were, know, you were then, in a punk band though, right? You actually had started a punk band and, um, kind of what drew you to punk? I, I was kind of curious. I will always be in a punk band because that's what I am. Um, but the, my styles have kind of grown throughout. Uh, I mean, the best part about punk is anybody can do it. You know, it takes that virtuoso uh, pedigree out of it. Like, um, it doesn't matter. You don't even have to be that good. You know, it's more of a mindset uh, ethos. And I think that's why it's kind of stuck with me forever because it just kind of is my core value system, kind of the way that I see the world. And, um, you know, it allows me to, you know, if, if everybody says no, then I'll just do it myself kind of thing. And like, that's where we're at. Like we just started our own label um, to put this record out because we lost our one and no one wanted to pick it up. And like, uh, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I had a hard time learning other people's songs. So I just started writing my own songs and that's how I kind of became a songwriter. Um, I started booking shows because those shows weren't in my town, you know? So I would, I would call up bands and be like, I want you to play. Like, would you play with my band kind of thing? And that kind of taught me about every little part of the industry, like promotion, booking, uh, you know, putting out records, recording albums, you know, not just being a musician or not just being a rock star, but really, you know, being able to do a little bit of everybody's job. Like now I have a whole team, but like uh, back then there was no, there was nothing like that. So I don't know. I think the, the punk rock mindset and the punk rock, uh, you know, accessibility is what, drew me through it you know and you know vandaliers is as much a punk band as it is a country band like that's just what we are um but it's uh i think as time has you know moved on my songs have gotten a little bit more mature um my uh you know mindset of like what is what has kind of turned into a big gray area like i i just love I just love music. So lots of different sounds can come in to my songs now. And it's not just like, it has to sound like this. It just has a little bit more room to breathe. Well, tell me a little bit about what you were just describing, which is it's punk meets country. And when you started the Vandaliers, 
what was in your head? Were you listening to some other bands that you thought, hey, I like their sound? Or did, did you just sort of form and your sound just evolved from there? Um, in high school, I was in a ska band. Um, and I had, like, at the largest, it was like nine members. And the punk band I was in before Vandaliers started as a two-piece. And when it broke up, it was a three-piece. I really just wanted to be in a bigger band. I wanted like a crew of friends, you know, because in my brain, my band are my friends. Like those are, those are the people I hang out with. Those are the people that I want to be around. Those are the people that I go to the bar with. They're like, we go see shows together or whatever, you know? Um, so I just, I saw that the three, you know, member thing, was just a little bit more of a majority rule kind of thing. And it was only like, it was always two to one. So it never really felt super fair. Um, And I just wanted to be like around a bunch of good dudes and a bunch of great musicians. Um, But like, I started getting really obsessed with like Marty Stewart and I had already liked Johnny Cash and like, you know, Hank Williams and nineties country stuff like Alan Jackson and Dwight Yoakam. Like those are, those are, I already liked that stuff. But when I saw the Marty Stewart show, it was more when I got to see everybody playing the instruments and like what they were doing. And, you know, everybody in the superlatives is like the highest grade musician you could possibly be. So you're just like sitting there watching Kenny Vaughn play electric guitar. And you're like, wow, I wish I could write something that a guitar player like that would want to play. Uh, and you listen to the the lyrics of Mari Stewart songs or the covers that he's playing. And most of them were story songs. And like, I had always kind of gravitated to that. And when I deviated from kind of storytelling lyrically, I felt like uh, I was always trying to be someone else uh, or I was trying to sound like somebody else. And so I just kind of sat down and kind of opened my brain up to more storytelling type songs. And I started writing. Um, and when I started writing, I just, uh, I realized I wasn't going to be writing punk songs anymore. I was writing these, you know, more rootsy, uh, Texas story songs. Like some of them were, you know, about the last tour I went on. Some of them were about, you know, not being, you know, exactly what somebody wants me to be like, and don't tell me what to do. And those were some of the first songs and then bottom dollar boy started. And that song has been, you know, a big one for us. And it's a crowd favorite, but that's where like the trumpets came in and then Wildflower. And like, that's when I met Corey and I had him come over to the studio and work on these demos that ended up being our first album. And from there, I think we were just kind of tinkering with the sound. Like, what instrument do you play? I don't know. I can also play trumpet. It's like, cool. I love trumpet. Put it on there. Now we found Travis and then we figured out mariachi harmonies i love mariachi music um and I, I loved having that element and it really kind of became its own thing um but when we started playing live i think that's when we started developing uh what we end, ended up as which is a very high energy uh texas music band you know like i hate putting putting it in a bubble but like i just want to sound like texas on 11 and I want the songs to mean something. And I feel like right now we've kind of found that 
stride. Everybody's really involved. Everybody's really into it. Um, and like having, like finding people that connect with these songs and hearing them sing it back is incredible. Well, you know, it's, it's sort of country meets mariachi meets punk and there's all these different sounds in there. And I, it kind of struck me that it was Texas on steroids because it was all the sounds you would hear if you're growing up yeah. in Texas. And then you kind of throw them all together and yeah. it, then it becomes its own unique sound. But uh, we're all kind of products of what we listen to, right? And, uh, and so that kind, of, that kind of struck me yeah. is that it was all sort of blended together, what you maybe grew up with. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a mutt. I have, uh, my last name is not Williams and is uh, not Jennings. Like, I, when people talk to me about country music, there's more country music I don't know than there is country music I do know. Um, and the stuff that I know that I really love it. Like, I just think it's wonderful and it's beautiful. Um, but that's not really like, that's, that's a, that's a childhood listening to the car, listening to, uh, that music in the car with my dad and my adulthood after meeting my wife, you know, there's a big portion of my life where country music wasn't involved. And, um, there were other types of music that were like, I, I worked in a lot of barbershops and, uh, I worked with predominantly Hispanic dudes, you know? So I, I listened to a lot of Tejano, um, and like mariachi gets thrown in there. And that was kind of the stuff that I really loved because again, I really like horns. So I really like those melodies and I like the love songs about, you know, like lost love and we're having like, you know, more than one woman type thing, like in, in those songs. And they're so, they're so cool. Uh, so I, I think, you know, yeah, I, I really wanted it to be regional music though. Like I living in Dallas and Fort Worth, there's so many different things happening. Like in modern day, you know, we have Leon Bridges and Erica Badu, like that's Eric Badu, Dallas, Leon Bridges is Fort Worth, you know, in, you know, the nineties, it was, you know, Pantera and toadies and, um, Nah, and like it, we had blues and then country and Western on, you know, there's a lot going on between these two cities and it ebbs and flows. So being just one style to me didn't make sense. Um, like I am from Fort Worth, which is called Cowtown. I, there's stories about uh, like, what Fort Worth was and still is, you know, in the cattle industry and in cowboy culture. And it's technically where the West begins. And I completely believe that because once you go West Fort Worth, it starts looking like the West, you know, and then Dallas is this whole other thing. Dallas is kind of where I was introduced to blues and, and where all the punk venues were and loud rock bands and nightclubs and it's a city and uh i've just been stuck between those two cities my entire life and so i think that's kind of where bandoliers gets all of that difference that modernity and um and also that classic route at the same time do you have a favorite venue down there like if i'm coming down there where do i go all right I got, I got three. Uh, if you're going to a listening room, 
in Fort Worth, there's a place called The Post at River East. That's where you'll see like uh, Jack Ingram, Matt Hillier, uh, some maybe some of the smaller acts that you know want to play full band. But really, it's like a great acoustic room. Um, if you're wanting to go see a big show, Billy Bob's, obviously, um, and that's in Fort Worth. But for Dallas, my two venues are the punk club that we started at three links, which is, uh, like even Vandaliers, like I didn't know anybody in the country scene. So I just started calling up my friends and we started playing country shows at this punk rock bar. And, you know, we weren't the first to do it by any means, but we were also one of the few that did. Um, and then, uh, the Granada theater or the Kessler theater. Um, so I guess I have three in Dallas. Granada Theater is one of my favorite venues just because it was one of those places where I always wanted to play. And the Kessler's is a, a newer venue in, in an older building, but I love the people that work there and we're releasing our record there as well uh, in Dallas. But I think if you go to any of those five places, you'll have a good time. Awesome. I'm going to put those on my list and when I next time I okay. head to Texas. Um, and of course, you we're going to get to the Vandaliers. You, you're putting out a new album, and it, I got the privilege of listening to it, and it's it's really fun. I really enjoyed the album. And uh, but I wanted to just ask you a couple of questions. Thank you. So when you guys uh, put out your first album, Americinda, what was in that that name, Americinda? Because I, I thought there's there's some meaning there behind that. <laughs> I think I was just trying to define the sound, you know like it's like Amira kind of you know like <laughs> it's not it's not sad but it's not empty you know it's it's rootsy but it's you know it's kind of quicker you know I don't know um it's not 100% Americana uh but you know we wear denim and some of our band members have hats. So, you know, I guess we could be Americana band. Um, I think, I think with that, I just thought it was a really funny way of kind of defining the sound before you listen to it. And it's actually what we named our, uh, record label too. So, uh, that's putting out our new album. And again, just trying to define the sound, you know, that's kind of the vibe. Have you seen the Sex Pistols? uh the the series about the sex pistols because something you said to said earlier just sort of reminded me of what they talked about that anyone could play punk and yeah. it was very diy and it was all about the joy and having fun mm -hmm. doing it and, yeah. and that sort of de defined their perspective on music is it needed to be something that they didn't they didn't think about all the time that they just wanted to have fun doing it and then, of course, it ended up being a big thing for them anyway. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the there is an element of that that will always be there. I think when you're – I mean, I, I'm on the road all the time, so technically I'm thinking about music all the time. Um, but, yeah, the whole punk thing is really, you know – you can't do it for any other reason than you must, you know, cause you're certainly not going to get paid for a long time. And like our opportunities are really rare and there's a lot of people like 
that are doing it. You know, there's a lot of bands and like there are bigger bands than us. There are smaller bands than us, but there are a bunch of bands. And so I count my blessings every day that, you know, we've made something that, you know, even a couple of people care about uh, because I know for a fact, I would just be making records for me to listen to uh, if, if it, if it, you know, if this never happened, you know, I, it's just kind of what I do. Um, it's kind of how I, uh, fit. So what were you guys doing right before COVID? And I know that COVID was a tough time for everybody, but you guys in particular had some challenges with losing the label and I think a manager. Um, but tell me a little bit about where you were right before COVID and then kind of leading in into COVID and how you guys coped with all that. Yeah. Uh, we were riding high off of a tour with Lucero, Memphis, Memphis locals. Um, and, uh, we went on, uh, a good run with the toadies. Uh, and then we were getting off of those two big support tours and going into the studio to record our follow-up to forever, which, you know, did well enough where they were wanting to do another record. And then uh, we're in the studio and we were actually supposed to record in Memphis again with Adam. And then something happened with the label where they were like, uh, I don't think we could do that one. Uh, can you do something else? And we found something closer to, uh, I think it was more for the travel costs and the, the housing costs. And we found something close to home. I'm really glad that we did. Unfortunately, like I love Adam. He did our last record, but if we would have been in Memphis, when COVID happened, which was like right when we were in the studio, like it would have been a lot more complicated. So um, it was a blessing. We recorded in uh, in Denton, which is a, a college town in our little area. And uh, we recorded with this guy, uh, Eric Delagard. And, you know, he has a Grammy and I don't. So he's a great guy to listen to. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just started recording uh, a follow-up. And then I get a call, you know, that South by Southwest is canceled. And then I'm talking to my manager and I get a call from a local news like CBS or something. And they're like, hey, can you FaceTime us right now and talk about this cancellation and what it's going to do to the music industry? Because I think the music industry was like the first thing that got hit by it, like when events were canceled and stuff like that, a lot of people were, you know, they weren't, they kind of talked about the movies, but really it was music that everybody was kind of talking about. And so uh, I did that interview and then I get off the phone and, uh, you know, in my brain, I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. Um, and I go back and we finish our session. And then after that session, we didn't get back in the studio for like a month because we thought it was going to be a week. And then it turned into two weeks and it turned into three weeks and it turned into a month. It might've been like six weeks actually. And then I just came in and I had like full gloves and mask on because during that time, my wife and I left our house and went to live with my parents because they're kind of off in the country. And I didn't know what society was going to do at the time. So I was like, let's just go by the lake and chill and we can fish and not worry about this shit. And then, uh, then we found out that Lindsay was pregnant, uh, like probably two weeks into the pandemic. And so that changed 
my entire mindset. Uh, and so about six weeks in, I, you know, gloved up and masked up and went to the studio and finished up vocals, um, you know, just hoping that we could kind of keep moving in the right direction. And then I got a call that, uh, our booking agent, uh, was quitting and kind of figure out something else to do besides booking bands. And I was like, okay, that sucks. Uh, cause booking agents are really hard to get. Um, and then I got probably a few weeks later is when we found out bloodshot was going to sell and, and fold essentially. And that our record would not be a part of that. And so we were like, Oh, was it really even worth finishing? And it kind of stayed on the, you know, like it, like we worked on artwork for a while. Um, cause we thought we were finished with it. We sent it to mastering and then it just kind of sat there. And then in August of 2020, I wrote every Saturday night. Um, and I just kind of posted it on Facebook and it got a really good response. So my manager called me, he's like, you should just go record it and then we'll just release it. And it doesn't matter because you don't have a label. So just release it yourself. And so we did, we went in and we recorded it and, you know, slapped, you know, a couple hundred bucks into a marketing, you know, favor from a friend and it went everywhere and it was crazy. What's the song we played about? Our first show, you know, at the times like I was quitting drinking and smoking, uh, which is really hard. And so like those are the first two lines, like, and that doesn't really mean COVID or anything. It was just kind of what I was thinking about. Um, but the took for granted every Saturday night part, like I really didn't think I was going to be able to write like another record or play another show. Um, I didn't even know the world was ending, you know, at the time uh, I knew my career was over, you know, but I still felt like writing. So um, I did. And uh, it went over pretty well. Like, I mean, people liked it and, it was cool that I got to re-release it because I got to put it on this record that's coming out now. Um, and so that kind of kicked fired, you know, everybody's brains again. We went into the studio, we recorded, we released it February 26th of 2021. Um, you know, and at the time, like I, there's a, you know, a line about singing along to Turnpike because they were broken up and now I'm playing with them, which is crazy. Uh, the, I think, you know, that song for me at the time was about missing my life and my career and what I had. Uh, I didn't know what fatherhood was going to look like. I didn't know what my world was going to look like post COVID. If anything was ever going to open again. I mean, at that point it had almost been four or five months, you know, yeah. when they said it was going to be like two weeks. So, you know, and like I was on unemployment for the first time in my life. Uh, like even my backup plan, my backup plan, it, like I'm, I'm a barber, like I can, I can cut hair and I couldn't even do that. So like I was 100% out of, I can't do anything. So I think, you know, that song is more about, you know, regretting not taking it in those moments. And like, I don't, I didn't have like a live recording of the band. Like I didn't have pictures from certain certain shows i didn't have flyers from certain shows that were like really important and i was really bummed out about that and so now moving on like i keep a tour diary i try to record 
every show with audio, uh, you know, those, those things that I missed a lot. Like I, I try to take more pictures. I try to take more video. Um, and also like, I try not to ever have a bad show, even if there's four people in front of me, you know, like I'm so grateful that I get to do this again. It's been, it's been such a blessing. So when you guys went back in the studio to put out the new album, the Vandaliers, did you feel like a new band then after all you guys went through? And, and like you said, you now have this new perspective. Um, what was your, what, where, where were you guys in your headspace at that, that point? I mean, there's a portion of the record that is very much my life in 2019. And then there's another part of the record, which is a lot more updated and, you know, 2021, 2022 type vibe. But, you know, when I put out a record, I really do try to make sure that it's kind of like where I am in my life. Like that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, on this, you know, with this record, you hear my, you know, you st it starts with the song called The Lighthouse, which is a letter to my daughter um, uh, about leaving. Because I knew that when I wrote that, that's when our touring was starting again. And I it was my first time leaving her. And it was really, really hard. And it still is. It's super hard. It's not not easy. Um, but it gets better. Um, and so, like, I started off with, like, I'm a father now. Then every Saturday night kind of touches base where, you know, we were with COVID. Um, Howlin' is, you know, it's about a dog, but it's also about missing someone, you know, and how much I missed my friends and my family during that time. It's kind of the new meaning that I get from it. Um, and then Bless Your Heart is a song that, like, I love, I had found out that we were going to be playing with Flogging Molly and I got excited. So I was like, I'm going to write a Flogging Molly song. And, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've been battling with, uh, uh, yeah, I, I've been, you know, for me, like uh, I, I will create goals for myself that are really hard. And like drinking is one of those where it's like, sometimes I drink, sometimes I don't. And at this point I wasn't drinking. And I was kind of recalling those times where I was just kind of like the town drunk and which worked really well with like a flogging Molly style song. <laughs> and so, you know, so I, I, I started there and then, um, and then down and out is, you know, a, the counter to that. And it's more about the struggle with sobriety and, the, and relapsing and drinking and the guilt that comes from that. And then uh better run is kind of, you know, it's it's one of those songs that kind of sticks out to me it's very different um it's going to be the next single and uh you know i kind of i went a little bit more chugging country metal on it uh but <laughs> i really like the story i really like the story it kind of reminds me of like when i was a kid there was a there was a bear creek park which i mentioned in the song and it's kind of where like me and my friends would kind of hide out for my parents during the day and we would do stupid shit, um, you know, and try to, you know, that's where we would get in trouble. And it was like, you know, where you would, you know, you would, if you stole a beer from the refrigerator, like a couple of like 
my friend would like steal a couple of his stepmom's cigarettes or something like that. And like, so that's like that, that kind of song. That's kind of just rowdy adolescence. Um, but uh, yeah. And then what is it? Steer me wrong. After that, I wrote that song in Nashville with this guy named Mondo signs to whom I love. And I've had that song in my back pocket forever. And we just recorded it and everybody liked it. And so it ended up on the record and that's great because Mondo deserves uh another co-write and i i think it's a kind of it's a sweet song and i really love the story in it and i I think lyrically it's you know helped me stretch my legs uh before the fall is man i love that song it builds musically and thematically throughout it and like it has such a simple concept which is just love is a decision that you know you have to make and you can't you can't lie about it. And, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a decision you have to make every day. Um, uh, heartaches a hit is another song. Uh, we just, uh, Corey actually wrote that song and, um, it's the first song that hasn't been written by me. Uh, and I got to sing it and I love it. And I think it's super fun. And it's a, you know, kind of like, a uh, a, a swung, uh you know owed to a one night stand and i think it's great and we had the song too drunk to drink that you know started as something silly we would say at the bar uh and then it turned into a song and then uh wise county friday night is a memory that i have with my wife and i um my parents live in wise county and um they live down a dirt road at the end of a dirt road uh next to a lake and we would you know drive around and uh you know go skinny dipping and and just you know country living the good stuff which song was it that had the horns kind of leading in was that wise county or which one was it because uh but before the fall or is it more lighthearted it's more lighthearted it's uh uh uh, too drunk to drink. I think that's what uh, it, was. it was. It was kind of a lighthearted yeah. lead in with the horns. Yeah. I love that song. It goes great live too. Like everybody has so much fun on that one. And we've been playing that for the last uh, couple of months, just kind of getting ready for the release. And it's gone over really well. I'm really glad it made it on the album because it's a goofy song. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for everyone to be able to hear this. Cause I think it's just, it's great. You know, I, I get to hear things and other people don't, but uh, everyone else is going to get to hear it very soon, and it's uh, it's really nice. just a great album. Uh, what is it um, you love most about being Thank back you. out and touring? I mean, I just got home from Europe. I've never even been it, I've never been across the ocean. Uh, I'm terrified of planes, and uh, because lead singers and planes don't mix, and <laughs> uh, the I had such a great time. I fell in love with Spain um, and I had a great time in Scandinavia. We got to play a couple of Americana festivals. We, our first three dates were festivals and we got to play with uh, bands like the dead South and Morgan Wade and a couple other uh, Felice brothers and just like some really cool bands. And then we went on, you know, this was one of the things that got canceled in 2020 too. So it's been like two years of, waiting to see if we were actually going to be able to do it 
and then it finally happened and like every show was super fun like we sold out most of them and uh there was you know a huge response um i think my favorite part about being on the road again is getting to see my friends in in places like tulsa and uh nashville and new york and la um but i also you know get to go to these new places like europe like that's a whole other side of the world that just opened up to me and a whole different type type of touring that i've never experienced um and also i get to go out with my favorite bands now so like this year has been great i started with laura jane grace floggy molly we're doing cruises now so we did the salty dog cruise we just announced right that on. we're on the outlaw country <laughs> cruise i'm going out with old nice sevens i'm playing with the turnpike troubadours uh going out with my mike and the moon pies and then you know the end of the year is getting booked up right now and it looks fun so i don't know it's pretty great yeah i'm I, everything i was worried about during 2020 and covid is come back tenfold and i can't you know, I can't be mad about that. Well, Josh, it's been great talking to you about the new album. And before you go, I did want to ask you about the tattoo that Vandaliers Forever, Forever Vandaliers. Where is that? Can oh, I see it? Ah, yeah. okay. There it is. So uh, does everyone in the band have one of those tattoos? Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> most of them. <laughs> the guys that get tattoos do. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 when we started the band, I really wanted it to be a, uh, I wanted it to be a together thing. I, I really didn't want it to be, uh, it's it's not Josh Fleming and the Vandaliers, it's a band. Um, so like when that happened, the mentality I wanted for the band was more like a gang or more like, you know, like we we protect each other. And uh, we respect each other at all times. And when that trust or respect is broken, you know, that's it, it's something we can work through or, you know, or at the same time, like, you know, we move on. And, uh, you know, we've changed band members over time, like throughout, because when you first start and you do it publicly, like there's just changing but, you know, our final lineup where we are now is, you know, some of my closest friends and some of the greatest musicians I've ever played with. And being in a band with them for the last seven years has been incredible. So I, I just wanted a tattoo. Usually I just get tattoos for things that uh, are kind of monumental. And I felt like this band was one of them. Well, Josh, it's been so great talking to you. And stay cool Thank down you. in Texas. I know it's hot there. It's hot here in Memphis. Come see us in Memphis sometime. We'd love to have, have I know. you back. I was, we were hoping to stop on our way to Nashville at, next week, but we have a very early morning at the Grand Ole Opry, so I have to go straight through. But I will. we will late night dive it at Alex's for ribs and beers one day, and I would love that. Nice. That would be great. That would be great. Well, have a great rest of your All week. Right. Enjoy the Ryman, too. That'll be a fun All show. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care, Josh. See you. Hey, thanks so much to Joshua Fleming of the Vandaliers for stopping by to chat today. All about the band's newest LP, their impressive fourth studio album, The Vandaliers. 
You know what to do. Reach out to your local record store or head over to the Vandaliers website to secure your copy of the record. And be sure to follow along on socials to keep up to date with their touring schedule and a whole lot of mischief to be sure. They say this album is an assertion of the band's distinct character, their sonic rebelliousness, and big, bold stage presence. So don't miss it. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today, and we hope to see you again soon, right here on Insights.